You're listening to audio from Liberty Church in the Harrisburg-Camp Hill area of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, Harrisburg.org. Good morning, Liberty Harrisburg. It's a real joy to be with you today. Now now that uh, COVID lockdown's easing up, what are we doing? We get to reconnect with family. Maybe that's happened with you. You finally get to visit some folks you hadn't had a chance to visit for a while. That's how I feel this morning. Uh, my wife and I drove out here, and uh, uh, she's having coffee with someone right now, uh, with Shay. But that's, that's how we, we felt as we drove along the turnpike. We're coming out to visit our Harrisburg family. It's really good to be with you. I serve as the director of the network, which means I pastor pastor and leaders. I'm still a pastor pastoring pastors and leaders, and uh, it's a joy to preach God's Word here today. I, I do, I do want to reflect. We were, I was reflecting about this in the early service. Matt and I were talking maybe about a month ago. We realized in May, it was 10 years. It's 10 years where we met face-to-face. This young couple named Matt and Shay Luloyan got on a plane and I picked them up in the Philly airport and, you know, sewing some Philly stuff. But, hey, what we really need to do is drive to Harrisburg and have dinner with these folks that are praying that a, a church would be planted here. And I've had the joy of being watching what God is doing in and through them and growing the team uh, there and just... It's a joy to be here and see this this worship service. I can think about uh, so many fond memories and some things we can laugh about. I remember meeting in the Playhouse Cafe, which is uh, no offense to the Playhouse Cafe. It's a lot less cool than what it sounds. You think of like the theater, the Playhouse Cafe. It was it was a <laughs> it was a space where the launch team met a few times, where it was a coffee shop that also had those rides for kids, like you put in fifty cents and ride the airplane up and down. That's where the, this church met for some team meetings. Hey, it's cool, man. I want to hear about this vision for a church. I'm just going to ride the helicopter, so <laughs> go ahead. That would be awesome. Uh, the community center, there was a community center. There was the Moose Lodge. That was one of my, uh, no, the Elks Lodge with the elk on the wall. That was awesome. It did deep work in my soul every time I saw the elk on the wall. This has been a great spot. A building is a ministry tool. It is. The church is the people. Okay, get that? But God has used this place for you to connect with this region. And it's been really cool to see uh, that take off. So it's a joy to be with you and to reconnect with church family. And we're going to, before I read this passage, I just, we're going to reflect on how Acts The book of Acts, which you are going through as a church, proclaims to the world the true story of the gospel. And as soon as you hear the word story, you could think, well, story, a lot of stories are made up. And actually, we all live out of a story. Okay, that's just true. Everyone lives out of some big story that they think is true. For some people, it's like, hey, the world came from nothing. And it's headed nowhere, 
There's no God in the universe, and we're just here by accident as organisms that came from an evolutionary process. I'm not saying no evolution stuff happened. Saber-toothed tigers, tigers, mammoth, elephant. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But some people think, hey, the story of the world is, hey, we actually kind of came from nowhere. This This has happened by accident. And we're not going anywhere. But we can choose to... There's no big love, justice, meaning out there to connect with, but it's thought we can try to pretend that life is meaningful now. That only there's only meaning that we inject into life. And it's true for me. That's one story. There's a story, you could think a political story, where you're, you know, sort of leftward or rightward. Hey, there's bad political actors that are ruining our country. And the story is, I'm mad and I got to do stuff. That's a story. Uh, There's a story, hey, I'm burnt out on polarization and thinking about deep stuff. And I just want to medicate with pleasure, buy stuff that's fun to buy, and not be serious because the world's so sad sometimes. That's a story. The gospel claims to be a true story, and there's a way to connect. Okay, That's the claim, and that's the invitation. We're going to dive in. Turn with me to Acts 13. And what's the page number in the Bibles that are there? 921, same as mine. Okay, so page 921, if you'd like to follow along in that book in your hand. I think there is something to be said for having that book in your hand. You can help. Find your way around it um, and learn kind of how the Bible fits together. But we're also going to have these passages on the screen. So listen to God's word. First few verses of Acts 13. Now there were in the church of Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I had called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. And this is God's word. Now, this morning, four things, four things about the true story of the gospel. Okay? Four things. First is this. It's a true story to enter. It's a story to enter. Uh, You can actually, uh, there's a response that's being called for, and the story enters you, and you enter the story. Uh, There's lots of uh, children's tales that are kind of set up like this. You think of all the Narnia books. C.S. Lewis wrote these Narnia books, and the children enter into the story. Alice in Wonderland is the story. The Matrix movies are like that. You can go through time travel movies and all these different, we could go on and on, where there's a, a door, a portal, or some way to enter in. Actually, the gospel is like that. The claim is it's true. And the Holy Spirit is sending Saul and Barnabas to invite other people into the story. 
other people are going to be invited. Hey, there's work to do. There's a church here in Antioch. But God wants the gospel to go out to the Gentiles. The Gentiles, I, I like to remind people, it means the nations. God is saying, I'm going to send you out to the world. And we're here, thousands of years later, in a language that hadn't developed yet, hearing about Jesus, because God has a heart for the nations. God is actually doing stuff. God is inviting more people into the story. God actually wants to do that. And he wants to invite people into the story. And the deal is, we really do have to deal with God. The claim that Christianity is making is, look, you're not here by accident. But everything that exists is actually from God. And there's a personal God you're going to have to deal with. Whether you're worshiping him, thanking him, praying to him or not, whether you're stiff-arming him, pretending like he's not there, you're going to have to deal with him. And you actually need to know that. There's, there's an announcement to make, okay? That actually, there is a God, everyone's going to have to deal with him. And God did make anything, he's going to call it to account, and he's entered the world through his son, Jesus Christ, to save people. It's really good news. And so this invitation goes out. Look at it in verse 38 and 39. So Saul and Barnabas um, are sent out. They're traveling through all these towns. One of the towns that they're in, it's another Antioch in what's now Asia Minor. They had this long sermon that I don't have time to read, but it climaxes in this. Let it be known... To you, therefore, brothers, Adelphoi, it's like the end of Philadelphia. Adelphoi can actually be used, siblings. He's speaking to everybody, men and women. Let it be known to you that through this man, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you cannot be freed by the law of Moses. Let it be known to you, I'm making an announcement that people who believe in Jesus are forgiven. Something is being proclaimed to you. And look, we're all going to deal with God. Uh, I often get in conversations about this, like this. Well, hey, I don't, I don't believe in God. I don't acknowledge God's existence. I don't think that's real. I love that conversation. I actually feel the pull of those questions and have wrestled with those questions. One of the things I, I point out is this. Look, have you ever thought about the fact that everyone lives as if right and wrong is real? Everyone. Now, some people would say, hey, I'm an atheist. Um, I don't believe that God is real, but I choose to be kind to my neighbors. I choose to act like love really matters. I choose to work for justice. And often people who... Um, or from other religions, or atheists are super kind, and maybe way more kind than me or other Christians, you know? I acknowledge that, okay? But isn't it interesting, even people that on paper have a framework that say there's no ultimate right and wrong, live as if it's true, and feel bad when they break their own rules. Like, people are like, hey, when I'm greedy, or 
hurt a neighbor or have um, or commit adultery or steal, you're not, you don't have guilt that's just like you broke your own rules from your culture or from your conscience. You have guilt that seems to be explained, I would submit to you, that it's actually real and true. Shouldn't that tell you something? You have guilt, like I do, when I do that, that actually we transgress something that's eternal and in real. And so that this forgiveness and this newness and the invitation to be part of a new family that is the church and forgiveness is desperately needed. It really is true. You know what we call people that don't have that feeling when they do something that they that the rest of the world considers wrong, capital W? You know what we call those people? Sociopaths. People who are like, hey, I can people who can hurt and maim and not be troubled we call sociopaths because they're disconnected from something that every other human being on the planet recognizes is real. Look, the gospel is good news. It's a story to enter because guess what? I and you and everybody needs that forgiveness. The forgiveness that's proclaimed in verse 38 and 39, we all need that and we're all going to deal with God. And so I humbly offer that to you, to those who are watching online or those who are here today. If you're wondering if God is real, yes, ask those questions. Explore that. Wrestle. Look, all of us struggle with doubts about different things and in different ways. Let's be honest about them. Work through them. And I would submit to you, to those who say, look, there is no God and I'm comfortable with that. Are you really? Are you really? Have you ever thought where that universal idea of right and wrong, sort of different cultures argue about some of the details, but that universal feeling of guilt, where does that come from? Is that not best explained? That, that actually what the Bible says, we come from a creator God who put certain things in our hearts that we cannot deny. Doesn't that best explain that phenomenon that goes down through the centuries? There's a story to enter. And look, people are entering it. People, people are entering it. Uh, Evan Curry, Planet Liberty Northeast. You guys have been generous. Uh, you've partnered with him and sent funds to help him start this church. He just told me last week, hey, there's a, uh, a woman who's uh, in her 60s, who's connected with our church, and she recently told me, I actually understand the message about Jesus for the first time in my life. I think I'm a Christian now, and I want to be baptized. And he, you know, and there are people that walk with her. Yes, it sounds like you're a Christian. You should be baptized. It's really good news. Uh, last week, I went to Joe Marlin's uh, church where he serves and pastors. He was used by God to plant Epiphany Gloucester. And you guys have also, by God's grace, supported 
and um, sent money to help start that church. It's a, a blue-collar community right across the river from Philadelphia, right across the river from South Philly. And it was their three-year anniversary, and I stood up and did, you know, hey, what happens at your birthday? You have family come and pray for you and celebrate with you. That's what I was doing. Joe stands up afterwards, and he tells some of the story. Um, and so I'm going to tell that to you. He's like, Steve was my corn-appointed counselor. I was, uh, when he was 16 years old, he had come, he did a brief stint into the mental health wing of a local hospital. His family life was terribly broken. He was in mental health classes at high school and kind of failing all the rest of those. He was actually about 15 at the time when we first connected. So the court appointed um, someone to do some mental health stuff with him. I was that person. He asked if he could come to the youth group that I volunteered. And the guy in charge of it was like, hey, I'm, I'm an atheist, but he wants to hang out with you. He wants to be around this, this thing that you lead. I'm all for it. Joe comes to New Life Church in Glenside, out, outside Philadelphia, and he becomes a Christian. And uh, through the years, he grows, he's discipled, he becomes a missionary. He becomes a pastor. He becomes a church planner. So he stands up at the end of this thing. Uh, this is 20, like 28 years ago when he became a Christian. Hey, Steve was my appointed counselor. God's big enough to save a guy like Steve. God's big enough to save a guy like me. God can save you. God can save you. And one of the folks that God has recently has recently come to Christ uh, is this young guy that I met for the first time when I preached there in the fall. I preached at Epiphany Gloucester about twice a year. And in the fall, Joe was doing this little sabbatical thing. So I go and I meet this guy who's been coming to the church. He's learning about Jesus. He's not a Christian. Six weeks ago, I get a text. Joe's like, hey, would you pray? This guy has been coming to our church. is in this horrible auto accident. I think he might die. I'm going to the hospital to be with his family. Would you just really pray that he doesn't die? And so I and others pray. I didn't have a face. Joe didn't know I met him in the fall. But a bunch of people are praying for him. Um, I preached there in April. Joe's like, hey, would you pray for, pray, pray for this guy? I want you to, this guy's going to get baptized in a couple weeks. It's the guy we had prayed for. He had flatlined on the table eight times. His heart wasn't beating in the ambulance. They take him to the ER. He almost dies multiple times. Uh, he obviously lived. He's there at church. And his thing is, I have been, I was like, hey, I'd love to pray for you. What do you want me to pray for you? Uh, I've been doing my own thing and not have not listened to God. You know, there's all this chaos in my life. There's all this legal trouble in my life. God saved my life. And I'm pray that I would quit messing around. I want to follow Jesus. He's basically like, I'm a new Christian. I don't know anything, but I know I need to not be the Lord of my own life. And I've been in rebellion doing what I want to do. Would you pray for me that I'd listen to God? And, uh, you know, so Joe and I, 
and one of their leaders in his church pray for him. I think he's being baptized today. I think today's today because he's like, I'm going to be baptized in a few weeks. It's a story to enter. Guess what? People are entering it. Sometimes we can forget. We can forget that's happening. That's happening. Uh, there is this. There's story after story I could tell you, but it's real. It's true. If you're watching online, if you're here today, and I happily tell this story in that church. There's a lot of addiction in that community and in central Pennsylvania and in Philadelphia and in western Pennsylvania where I come from. There's a lot of addiction, and I'm, ha- and I'm happy to stand up. Look, my, my dad had deep addiction issues. Uh, I grew up in that family angry, angry. Jesus can save you. He can give you a different story. I was the kind of guy who was on paper destined to have a marriage where my wife would have to be distant emotionally because of my anger. And God gentled me, humbled me, taught me to repent taught me to say, um, I've told this story here before, but I feel led to do it. I'll tell it again. The first year of our marriage, this summer will be 28, praise the Lord. 28 years. 28 years. Praise God. Yeah. You can clap. There's a little bit of a weak clap, but you're like, yeah, it's, it's fine. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. It's, it's cool. It's great, right? It's amazing. Uh, because, look, the first year, I remember this, us being in a, uh, a one-bedroom apartment. And in my family, you grew up, everything's out. You, you yell. And so I'm doing that. And my wife locks herself in the bathroom. Like, hey, time out. I'm done. I'm kind of like out in the apartment like, well, she's not playing the game normally. <laughs> like I grew up in my family. Uh, and I realized it was, it's a picture that I'll never uh, forget because I realized that God was calling me to change or that that was going to be a picture in our marriage. And for both of us, for her family too, um, there's ways that her anger, where she turned inward, I, I would turn outward. God had to teach us both to humble ourselves, to repent, to change. We entered the story in a deeper way. And guess what? God gave us a new story, you know? And uh, by God's grace, we have a marriage that's healthy, and we really love each other. Like when we hang out, we don't have to pretend we do. We, like, actually really do, you know? We, like, really do. Uh, It's a story to enter. It's a story that's real. God can do that for you, whatever it is you're bringing to the table. Jesus is a savior from all kinds of sins. I don't know what your particular is, but there's not an addiction, an unhealthy pattern, whether it's outward anger or some people just go inward into their own pain cave. You know, hey, I'm going to go inward with your pain. That actually, you need a new story in that too. Whatever it is, Jesus is big enough. And he invites us to a better story. 
Second thing about the story of God, it's a story that continues. A story that continues. The title of the sermon is Commissioned for the Mission. Saul and Barnabas are sent out. Now notice, look at this. There's prophets and teachers, and there's a right emphasis on Paul, who becomes a central character, especially in the second half of Acts. And here's the deal with his name. There's a shift that occurs in verse 9 from Saul to Paul. And all it is is Hebrew name, Saul. He was named after the first Israelite king. To Paulos, his Greek name. And when he starts hanging out with all the Greeks and all the Gentiles and all the nations, he's like, they're like, what's your name? Paul. He uses his Greek name. And so that's why that shift occurs. There's a right emphasis on Paul in, in understanding like the history of the early church. But also, I just want to point this out. Look, he's surrounded by prophets and teachers. Go back to the beginning, Acts 1 through 3. He wasn't like, I'm Paul, and I've been sent on a mission, and I'm telling everyone what it is. The Spirit indwells this community, and that's what you've learned about in the book of Acts. Jesus Christ was died, he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven, and the Father and Son send the Spirit to the church so that the, the church is indwelt by the Holy Spirit now in a new way. And we live in the age of the Spirit. We live in the age where God is here by His Spirit. So we weren't singing to a screen. We weren't singing to ourselves when we were singing. We're singing in the presence of God who is here by His Spirit. And in between the first and second coming of Christ. Okay, Jesus isn't here in the body like he will be at the end of all things, but he's here by his spirit. And Jesus actually made big claims. Like Jesus said things like, it's actually better for, for you that I go away because he's going to send the gift of the Father. And now all over the world, Father and Son who are one are present by the Holy Spirit as Jesus is worshipped all over the world. So it's a spirit and dwelt community. And prophets and teachers together who to hear the Spirit's voice. And they worship and fast, even though they're recognized as prophetic and people who God speaks through a word given or a picture given. Still, they had to worship and fast. They have to spend extended time in God's presence, praying, seeking the Lord to hear God's voice. Now, as, uh, as Westerners and as Americans, we tend, do we not, to rely more on training or degrees or plans or know-how than the Spirit. I, was, uh, I met with a pastor in our city, a uh, great guy. He's uh, a young pastor in our city. This is Friday. He... He meant, he shared with me, hey, I came to Christ when I was a junior in, um, in college. And uh, that's where he met Jesus, not from church family, didn't know anything, any of the old hymns. And he's like, all of a sudden, after I was discipled as a new Christian, I'm leading these hymns. I had never grown up saying them. He said, part of, he's, 
He's part of our general church family theological stream, okay? He's like, you know what my birth defect, though, is? Being born into, like, the Reformed world, okay? This is, like, uh, this wider Presbyterian-type Reformed stream. The birth defect, he's, he put it like this, is we're kind of functional rationalists. And this is what he meant. We tend to, do we not, do you th- see if you think this is fair, trust in our training and our degrees more than just the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Look, I, I went uh, to a good Christian college. I went to Westminster Seminary. I'm not a- against that stuff. What do we not, though, need to be careful about? As people who have a lot of training, we tend to trust it. In Jack Miller's words, like those are our amulets of power. <laughs> He's intentionally using like witch, witch doctors trust in amulets of power rather than trust and seek the ongoing presence and empowering of the Holy Spirit. We just need to be careful. I'm glad I have that. I have a stupid amount of books in my house, okay? And I read Bible commentaries, and I'm not against those trainings. I buy books all the time uh, to learn from how from others. And also, do we not in our stream need to greater seek the direction, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit? Do we not... Uh, churches in America, there's a wide part of the church that gets a little high pitch in their voice when we talk about the Holy Spirit. We believe in the Father, we believe in the Son, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe the Holy Spirit uh, is an empowering presence? You can actually experience God's presence in your life. And the Holy Spirit empowers you for ministry. You're like, sure. It's a little high pitched. Yeah, we do. Sure. Sure we do. Right? Instead of yes. Uh, we probably ought to seek to lean into the, I'm going to use a word, it might freak you out, maybe put your seatbelt on, I don't know, if these seats come with seatbelts, mystical, experiential, experiential, there's something to experience. God works in our thoughts and our rational brain, yes, but also there's something to experience, It needs to be regulated and under the authority of God's word, but there's something to experience. And look how we hear God's voice, okay? There's there's something here. This is a story that continues. There's something here in this passage about how we hear the Spirit's voice. It's in community. Okay, so in 2018, by God's grace, Liberty Liberty Church, where I was at, and the network... uh, let us have a sabbatical. And we sought God's wisdom for this next season. Lord, envision us for this next season of the life of the network. And by God's grace, I, I came back from that. Hey, I think this is right. I think we ought to lay hands on John Alexander, who's been serving here as an associate pastor, who had been baptized in that church in 2003, who's been so faithful. I think, I think we ought to... Um, lay hands on him so he'd be the lead pastor here. And I think, I think I'm called to serve the network in this way. And I'd been serving that way in a part-time way, but I understood that. I wasn't Moses coming down from the mountain. 
I said, hey, that's what I think. But if this is right, you guys would agree with that because the Spirit speaks together. The Spirit will lead us to have one mind. And so I was like, hey, this is what I think. But I submit this to you that we could all pray about this. And so we prayed about it together. And um, teams of elders praying about this said yes to that. There's something about that. And the Spirit is guiding. Think about what the laying on of hands means. Laying on of hands. Say, They lay hands on Saul and Barnabas. And they send them out. What's that signify? Well, it signifies a new anointing for this next season. Right? That's what happens when someone's set aside for office of deacon or elder. It's a sign and seal and visible manifestation of what's happening in the spiritual realm. Jesus is empowering people to serve him by his Holy Spirit. And so they do that again here. They lay hands on them. And that's why, look, the mission continues. It's a new story. It's a story we discern together. Okay, that's the third thing about the story that the book of Acts shows us. It's a story we discern together. Recognize the author of the story, okay? Because this has implications for how we pray. So what does it look like to seek the will of God? What does it look like to seek the will of God as a church? What does it look like to seek God's wisdom and will for how you might live out the gospel as an individual Christian? Well, what do we see here? First, let's recognize the author of the story. The Holy Spirit is a character in the story in the book of Acts. Just as Jesus is. Just as the Father is. At the end of uh, chapter 13, I want you to guess what it says. Okay, so a bunch of people become Christians at the end of chapter 13. Does it say... As many people who believed were appointed to eternal life? Does it say as many people who believed they were appointed to eternal life? Or is it going to say as many people who are appointed to eternal life believed? As many people who are appointed for eternal life believe. What do you think it says? Actually, I mean, most American Christians, we'd have guessed, well, if you believe, you're appointed to eternal life. And a lot of passages explain it that way. Hey, you believe. Press the button. Put your faith in Christ. Make a decision. Yes. Choose to follow Christ. This passage emphasizes how God works mysteriously, and I'll use a $5 word, sovereignly, to flip light switches on that we can't flip on ourselves. God sovereignly works. The passage says in Acts 13, verse 48, uh, as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. God is the one who sovereignly works. We're supposed to share the gospel, live out the gospel, invite people to believe, and I'm doing that today. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this, if you're not yet a Christian, you actually need God's help to become one. You'll only understand it later. Here's how it, uh, it works in chapter 16. This woman named Lydia becomes a Christian. 
And it actually says in the passage, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. It doesn't say Lydia, you know, she was cooler than the other people who heard. She was better. She had more goodness in her. It doesn't say that she was just lucky and randomly by chance she was there. The reason why she's a Christian, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. Here's what it means if you're not yet a Christian. You pray, God, help me to understand. Help me to pay attention. A lot of people, here's a guy, here's Paul preaching. A lot of people are like, nope, don't have time for that. And the Lord gave her the ability to pay attention. The Lord in her heart opened. Maybe while I was talking about the invitation of the gospel and like, hey, God is real and you're going to have to deal with God, you realize for the first time in your life that might be true. And if it is, you need to deal with God. you got to address this. It's actually good news. That's really important. God is the author of the story. God is the one doing stuff. God is the one who actually raises up planters. Look, man, this is how, this is how deep it gets. Jesus says one time, the disciples are all stressed out by the ministry of Jesus. Jesus is, he, he takes them through Samaria. He takes them through these regions. Crowds are flocking to Jesus, and it's stressful. And at one point, the disciples want to leave. They want to keep on traveling. And Jesus says, the harvest is white. It's like the harvest is ready. Would you pray to the Lord of the harvest to raise up laborers for the harvest? How God sees the world, how God sees central Pennsylvania, is that there's people who haven't heard this good news who need to hear that good news. And we ought to pray, God, you're the one in charge of the story. Would you raise up some laborers? Would you raise up laborers for the harvest? And by God's grace, I led a team of elders to pray that um, in the spring and winter, in the winter and spring of 2011. And that's actually been a rhythm in Liberty. Let's keep on praying for that. Let's keep on praying for that. We need to not let that prayer that Jesus commanded us to pray completely fall off. And I get an email from this guy named Matt who lives in Kansas. Matt, how do you say his last name? Wasn't sure at the time. Now we've learned. Matt from Kansas emails us. We're praying, God, would you raise up laborers? There's a group of people praying for a, for a church. I would go out like once a month, tell them like, hey, these are the 10 reasons why I've heard you want to start a church. These four are bad. These six are good. Here's what it looks like to pray out of that. And God did that. Let's pray. Should not Liberty Harrisburg, let's apply this to you corporately together. Should, should not you seek the living God, God guide our prayers for this next season of life as a church. Guide our prayers. Uh, pray for your state. Uh, why do I say that? A couple reasons. One, I love your state. God and his providence 
I lived four years outside when I went to college, but I grew up a mile from the western border, and I live a mile from the eastern border. That's my whole life. <laughs> western PA first, did a long gig, been in Philly for a long time. I love this state. I love to drive through it. I love... I love going on Route 80 and the Turnpike. You see all these towns, and I know, because uh, I spent a lot of time here, a lot of those towns have churches that are dying, or there might be 20 older saints who love Jesus who wonder why the children's wing is empty, you know? And when's that thing going to be replanted? And uh, growing up in Western PA, everyone's dad was an unemployed steel worker. That was most of my area. Who's going to pray for these areas of our state? Who's going to pr pray for them? That they'll be workers. Uh, we have one um, church in our network, Liberty Newtown Square, that was a 178-year-old Baptist church. It was down to like 30 people. And I was in the church basement for the congregational meeting. Are we going to replant this thing? And there was a guy, Tom Hazina, who had grown up in that church. He was in that church a little bit, rebelled, get this, not walked with Jesus, went to Penn State, uh, became a Christian, did college ministry for years, and he's like, I love you guys. I want to plant, replant this thing. And they voted, yes, let's replant it. And it's like 200 folks now. 178-year-old <laughs> Baptist church. I, we want, look, I never imagined there would be so many churches with liberty with an eye. I didn't think that was going to become a thing. Okay, that wasn't the goal. My burning white hot passion, though, is to see more churches planted and renewed and replanted. My burning white hot passion is to partner with the wider church to love and serve our state for the sake of Jesus. There was nine guys here yesterday uh, from Acts 29 getting training in this building who want to plant and plant somewhere. Most of them in the state, like seven of them in the state. And they're coming here for a once a month thing. I'm going to lead that thing a couple times this next calendar year. Um, I'm coming back here in May to speak to them. Other people are training them. What an opportunity. Lord, should we not pray, give us, Lord, would you give us vision as Liberty Harrisburg? Would you give us a dream? Would you give us a prayer to pray? And then just see how God guides it. And God will guide you as you pray that together. And then also we pray as individual, Lord, individuals, Lord, what is my part in that? Most spiritual gifts, look, God loves all the gifts. Most spiritual gifts... The most popular one is service. It's what you do with your hands. We need to have a few people who can preach and teach. That's not most, that's not everybody, which is actually a good thing. <laughs> uh, there's gifts where we serve and show mercy and give generously and walk with people and counsel people one-on-one -on -one 
And there are words of encouragement and exhortation. We're a body where we all use the words that God give us to strengthen the body, and we all play the role we play, and it's all precious to Jesus. Jesus said things like, hey, those of you who aren't going to um, stand up with a handheld mic and preach to a bunch of folks, hey, know this. Anyone who gives a cup of water to one of these little ones because of my name, you will never lose your reward. That actually serving a child in the name of Jesus will be unimaginably worth it and precious. It will last forever. The way you speak to a neighbor, uh, the way you in love serve someone, you do a good deed and no one on the planet sees it. You go in the room and pray and shut the door. You give in a way or help someone in a way that no one else sees. Your father actually in heaven sees it and it's precious and it'll be it's unimaginably worth it. And we discern how to live that out together. We discern that together. What are the specific things that God is calling us to do? There's discernment for you corporately as a church. um, And there's discernment as individual people. So look, the fourth thing, and the last thing is this. Acts reminds us that the gospel is a story that regularly, regularly includes fruit, spiritual conflict, and persecution. There's setbacks. Okay? And it's actually helpful to be reminded, hey, there's setbacks when a church closes a church. I've, by God's grace, helped plant some churches. I've also shut a few down. Be like, been there, hey, this is the last service. We prayed, we hoped, and God sovereignly wasn't in the cards. Liberty Lebanon is going to launch in the spring of 2020. Wasn't in the cards. God's sovereignty. And it can actually be helpful to be reminded, hey, there's actually setbacks. Um, Paul, Paul and Barnabas are sent by God, chosen by God. They're doing good plans. And they're also chased out of some towns. Pay attention to the rest of Acts. They're like, okay, time to leave. <laughs> time to leave now. <laughs> some setbacks. It's a story that regularly includes fruit, spiritual conflict, and persecution. Look at verse 4 through 12. Verse 4 through 12. We can pop this up on the screen. So there it is again. Being sent out by the Holy Spirit, the one that's guiding this plan. They went down to Seleucia. There they sailed to Cyprus. And then they go across Cyprus. They're in Paphos, this one town. There is a guy uh, who's temporarily blinded. Let's read it together. He was with, so when they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, that's the other end of Cyprus, they came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, okay, actually legit historical names, a man of intelligence who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But when Eliamus the magician, for that is the meaning of his name, opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith, But Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, 
you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy. Will you not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord? And behold, now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately Mr. Darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had occurred, for he, he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Now, this is incredible in a number of different levels. Let's just take a step back. Do you remember Saul's story? Saul grew up a Pharisee, and he thought that the Jesus movement was disobedient to God's will, and he was doing God a favor by persecuting the church. Paul held everyone's jacket while Stephen, my namesake, was stoned to death. Yes, everybody, you're doing the right thing. I'll watch the coats. He's going to Damascus to persecute the church, and basically the living God, open field tackles him. Jesus says, how would you like this as an invitation to the Christian faith? I will show you how much you will suffer for my name. Actually, some people are going to suffer. It's going to be for you. It's going to be you. And you're going to do it as my messenger to the nations. You're welcome. And Paul, who thought he could see, what happened to him? He was blinded. And he sat in darkness for three days until God sent a guy to go lay hands on him and pray for him. And something like scales came from his eyes. He's like, now I can see. He became a Christian. And uh, he knew he had an encounter with the risen Christ. This guy, God in love. Uh, okay, so this guy, Bar-Jesus, Eliamus means magician. It kind of has like a sorcerer element. It could be translated like a sorcerer. It's a dark thing. It also, in some contexts in the ancient world, it means corrupter. This guy is a pagan witch who says to the proconsul, he's hearing the gospel, don't listen to this guy. Don't listen to this guy. And Paul, who had been blinded, looks at Bar-Jesus and under the prompting and direction of the Holy Spirit, blinds him. You you think you see. You are the one who's not going to see. Now, God did this mercifully. You might be thinking, that's so mean. God did this mercifully. You, who are seeking to get power from demons and evil spirits, are going to darkness to get that. I'm going to show you how dark that is. You're blind. You think you can see? You're blind. And it was temporary. That guy may have repented and became a Christian. That was Paul's story. What Luke happens to record for us is the proconsul was like, I am going to become a Christian. You know, the one who was seeking to turn me away from the message of the living God, Jesus Christ, who supposedly came into the world and is now the Savior of the world, you were trying to turn me away from that. You just got blinded. The proconsul becomes a Christian. One person is blinded so that another can see, but even God in his merciful, the pagan witch who was blinded, That was mercy to him. In in South Sudan, so it's the world's newest country, 
2013, I took part in church planting training in Louis and uh, the small town. It's the Moro people group. Okay, it, only about uh, 100,000 people actually speak their language. And I actually said it was Bari in the early service. It's actually Moro. Uh, or M-O-R-U. They have one translation of the Bible in their language. There's about 100,000 folks. Going through the book of Acts uh, with them, they will tell you stories like this. And they're like, you know, Liberty was about six churches at the time. They're like, that's, that's great. Hey, this is a guy who's overseeing nine churches. This is a guy who's overseeing this number of churches. They all had multiple churches. Because they go to a village where there's no church and explain Jesus. And then they go back and share that gospel. And some, and sometimes there's run-ins with witch doctors. And this young church planner says, yeah, this witch doctor who depends on the spirit world for power was opposing us. He's sharing this. And he says, yeah, he had all his amulets out. This is through translation, because I don't speak his language. And fire from the Lord came and burned up all his ambulance. And a lot more people in the village became Christians. That's what he said. You think he's a liar? Everyone else, I'm like, my eyes are huge. My jaw's on the ground. Craziest thing? Everyone else was like, sounds about right. They had seen stuff like it. The guy, the witch doctor was trying to curse people, and fire from God came and burned up his amulets of power. And for those who are like, hey, I don't think that's real, I don't think that's, could it be, well, there's a lot of different things going on there. It's cultural bias to look down on that kind of culture. It's also... I would submit a different kind of bias. Could it be that Satan gets away with so much in the West and his main MO is to pretend like he's not there at all? It's all covert. So that's actually opposition, setbacks are part of any story. And yet, also fruit. People today and in central PA are becoming Christians. People today are becoming new. People today are having breakthroughs. I, uh, Friday, it was earlier Friday, was talking to uh, a couple. They're in another city. Been friends and I, of ours for years. And there's been some marriage tension and a bunch of people in their church have been praying for them and interceding for them. And by God's grace, they invited us to speak into that a little bit. And the husband shared this. I'm so thankful to God. I'm so thankful to God. So deeply thankful. What are you thankful for? God showed me how I was blind to my resentment. I thought the deal in our marriage was, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. You know what God showed me? That I have resentment. It's deep. And I've just been repenting and repenting of that. And God's been meeting me. He's like, man, I know we still got things to work on. The picture he gave me, 
He was like, you know how it's hard to find something in the closet if it's dark? You need the light on? God's flipped the light on. I saw resentment. I'm repenting deeply, asking my wife for forgiveness. She has new hope. He has new hope because God showed him something. That's fruit. (laughs) Man, that's good, good fruit. Doesn't that sound real? Doesn't it sound like something? You hear that and you're like, I also need God to show me what I need to see. I also need to see the forgiveness of Jesus. I also need to be encouraged. Look, uh, you were called to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus. Uh, Let's go after that. Let's go after that. You also, everyone who's a Christian here, God has called you to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus. Matt and John or uh, Abby King doesn't live on your block, on your street, in your cul-de-sac. You do. And in your family, you are called to live, speak, and serve as the very presence of Jesus. Um, that is real. That is true. And that's the invitation of the gospel. God makes appointments for us. He does. Um, he sets us up to share our stories. I don't have time to, I had this story about, I was actually on vacation in Western PA, and because I needed my brakes fixed the year before, I was like, I can't drive to, home to Philly with my brakes singing like whales in the deep ocean. They were just making that weird sound. I need to get them fixed. I met a guy, came back a year later, mountain biked with him, and we discovered that, hey, We've both been married for about the same number of years. We both had three kids, girl, boy, girl, and both of our wives had cancer together. So in the first five minutes of the mountain bike ride, all that comes out, and I'm like, hey, there's nothing about your wife maybe dying that makes you think about spiritual things. Where are you at with God and that kind of stuff? And he asked me questions. He's like, this is how I wrestle. I don't believe that's true. How could it be true? How could it be real? But I need help thinking about it. And so we talk about it for like an hour on the ride. And I'm like, yeah, hey, this church I uh, went to yesterday in your town. It was in Wellsboro, up in the northern part of the state. Hey, they, they would help walk. They would walk you. Just like you guided me on this mountain bike path. I couldn't have found it. I needed guides. They would guide you in this exploration. And he's like, hey, actually, now that you mention it, now that you mention it, I just so happen to know some of those people. Yeah, you just so happen. And I just so happened to need a break job the year before. Uh, God actually wants to draw people to himself. Uh, believe that and put your faith in him. Let's pray together as we come to the table. Lord Jesus, pray that you would sovereignly work and guide this church by your Holy Spirit. We pray that you would sovereignly work to draw people to yourself, people today who are on the who are outside the promises without God and without hope in the world would you show them your promises show them your reality and save them draw them to yourself we pray that we'd be a community that walks with people invites people uh, we pray that you would strengthen us for this very thing i pray for these brothers and sisters that they would believe there's good works you prepared in advance for them to do people to share the gospel with people to love, people to serve with their strength and their gifts. Uh, May we believe that that's true and live out of that. May we remember that no, 
Nothing is so small that it's not precious to you. It's all precious. Uh, Strengthen us at your table, we pray and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Liberty Church. To learn more about our church or to listen to previous recordings, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org.